This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm pretty good. I was just uh, complaining about how my eyes hurt and my neck hurts from, you know, sitting at home at my laptop, you know, working from home, newbie to this life, trying to figure it out. But I'm spending a lot of extra time these days trying to put out some extra content for the show. But I was thinking... We're doing our extra part, trying to put all this extra content out. But everyone's got so much time on their hands that this would be a good time to go to iTunes and rate and review the Peak Too Early podcast. So if you're listening, we're doing our part. You go do your part now. Yeah, just give us that give us that five star, <laughs> maybe a little quick comment. It would be great. And Mike, have a Miller Lite. You'll feel better. And That's as right. always, back at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, welcome back to the House of Sav. How are you doing? Guys, I am back, baby. I am back at the House of Sav. It feels good. It feels great. I mean, I've been back, and I, and I haven't left. Uh, I have just been a, a quarantined House of Sav person now, which is a, a bit of a wild thing. I uh, Actually, I should say I left the other day to go to the supermarket, and I had to interact with people for what felt like the first time and you know, weeks other than my family or, or my girlfriend. Guys, I, I don't know if this is the best I've ever been or it's the worst I've ever been, but I, I don't know how to interact with people anymore. You know, it's it's kind of stressful when you see other people in the supermarket next to you and, and you don't know whether you're allowed to be near them or you should back off. And I don't really want to talk to anybody because people scare me now. Not that I'm scared of getting the virus. I just haven't been exposed to people. So I'm kind of going like a little batshit crazy over here. I'm losing my ability to talk to people. I just, you know, I'm being a complete slob and, and going out in public is is craziness. So I'm really, this is only like week three or four. I mean, what the hell is going to happen a few more weeks from now? I don't know. It's it's very weird interacting with people in person. Like I'm a big handshake guy. I love, I love a good handshake. I see somebody I know, I walk right up to him, I give him a handshake. You know, that's I, I you know, that's kind of my thing. But when you see somebody, you know, like at the grocery store or if you're out for a walk, it's very strange. It's like it's like, all right, I got to I want to say hi. I want to greet this person, but I also got to keep a, a safe distance. It's it's a very, very weird time. See, I'm even losing the grocery store interactions because my grocery store has gone to not letting people in. You have to like email what you want to yeah. them. And then they, like, package it up in bags. They take your credit card, charge your credit card, and then you show up. They put it out on the curb for you. You get it. So it's like I don't even interact with people at the grocery store anymore. I'm losing all human contact whatsoever. And I – so I, I, uh, I'm i out of coffee, and so I went down to, uh, to oh, Dunks God. to get oh, to get – Yeah, I went down to Dunks to get a coffee Times today. And I Yeah, and I went through the drive-thru, ordered, you know, my the three coffees, going to bring back to the house, and – uh I was uh, in the drive-thru, and I handed the lady my credit card, and she didn't have a glove on, and she swiped my credit card, and she gave it back to me, and it was like this weird moment. It was like, oh, my God, I don't want to touch that. You just touched my credit card. I'm expected to put that back in my wallet. It's like, what, are, what am like, I doing? 
Imagine if you were just like, you can have that now. I don't want it. You, you pay with you a 20 or something for, you know, a dollar coffee. Just just keep that change. Yeah, I, think, change. I think you're good. <laughs> so we got we got a lot to get into today on the podcast. Um, you know, we were just joking around before the podcast that, you know, there's not much happening, but we got a we got a lot to talk about. We're going to have some fun with today's episode. So, Mike, why don't we kick off the running news? Alrighty, so the first news story, we got breaking news. Uh, so Britney Spears, if anybody hasn't heard this story yet, posted on her Instagram earlier this week. She posts a screenshot of her, you know, iPhone stopwatch, and it, it, you guys can see it there. It says 5.97, and the caption says, ran my first five, exclamation point, getting over your fear of pushing it. In the beginning is the key. Once I did that, I hit five. I usually run six or seven. My first try was a nine, and now I did it. Hundred meter dash. <laughs> so basically, she's saying that she dropped a five nine seven hundred meter dash, shattering Usain Bolt's world sec- record. <laughs> what do you guys? What do you guys got to say to to Brittany and uh, her breaking news here? I just want to give her a big congratulations. I mean, that is amazing. I don't think any of us would have believed that she could do it, but she has the evidence with that that Clear screenshot evidence. right there. So uh, big, big shout out to Britney Spears. Is is the post still up? So it's not, but it was okay. for a couple of days. And that, I think, is a – I think that's a, a big thing, right? Because, like, any other sport, this would have gone and, – and then it did get big. Like, it was kind of like a – semi big sports story but if it was a bigger sport it would have gone so crazy and she would have been getting so many hits that it would have been gone in like two hours the post stayed up for a couple days which says something about our sport that something like that (laughs) absurd is posted and it took her a couple days to get back to her like maybe i should take this down so but it is now it is now gone and not just our sport the probably the most marketable event in our sport but right yeah I mean, in, in, in anybody that has a quote-unquote team, right? I'm sure Britney Spears has a team of people working for her and helping her out. Anybody that has a team, that that post would have gone up and come down within 10 minutes. Okay. To Mike's point, the fact that this lasted several days is insane. Okay, how about, how about this theory for you guys? What if Britney is secretly you know, big track nerd, and she knew that this would be absolutely hilarious and it would draw the attention of all the track fans because there's nothing else to talk about. So she, I mean, when is the last time we've talked about Britney Spears? I don't know. Like, I I don't even remember the last time she was in the news, uh, except when that, remember that lady that was like, ignore Britley when she was shaving her head? Do you guys remember that YouTube video? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that, there's, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of things that's happened, a lot of things that have happened in Britney's life since the head shaving incident. All right. So she's maybe, got a residence in Vegas. Like she's she's kind of a big deal again these days. Maybe this is her way of just getting into our limelight, though, and just reaching out to the track community and saying, hey, you guys need something to smile about. No, I, Trent, it, you it, are so bring woke. up. So you woke. bring up a really good point, though, because it, if there was something to kind of spark some sort of subculture to kind of get some publicity around Britney, this was a genius idea. I think I think you're on to something here, Trent. I like it. I like the wokeness. So here's what I will say. I, I saw a lot of people throwing out that, like, basically, like, inferring that she was a liar. Because, like, okay, breaking news. She obviously didn't run a 5'9", 700-meter. But, like... She's not a liar, right? There's a difference between 
being a liar and being just wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I think she thought that she did a 5.9700 meter dash. She obviously did the calculations wrong a little bit. She probably did, like, a 5.97, like, 100-foot dash or something. I don't know what it was, but I truly believe she thought she was doing it. And she had no idea that posting this thing – she thought she was just, like, posting some, like, inspirational, like – Hey, I finally, and I love how she, she says, she's like, I finally did a five or like, instead of saying like, I broke six, I did a five. Like that shows me right there. She obviously is not uh, a part of the community. The elusive six second barrier. Yeah. I finally did a five. That'd be like, imagine you ran a, like a four fifty nine. You're like, I finally did a four. Like, (laughs) that's not, that's not how you say that. But uh, yeah, I think she was trying to like just post like an inspirational thing. Had no idea what she was doing. Was just completely wrong on the hundred meters thing. But she's not a liar. Like let's not let's not be crazy here. So what do we what do we think? What do you think she actually did? What do you think that five nine seven represented? Forty yard dash? Yeah, maybe yeah, a, think, maybe, maybe a forty. 40 maybe a forty. That, okay. well, that's fair. It's still still pretty good for Brittany. She yeah, should still be yeah. proud of that. So what I think needs to happen right now. For our sport, like for the just kind of to, to throw a little spice into into our sport, a little bit of marketability to the sport, we need to treat this as if Britney Spears just qualified for the Olympic trials, and she needs to be in Eugene next spring on the starting line for the hundred meters. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, <laughs> I think mean, she needs. I think she I mean, needs that, to come what, on what, what better way could you? What better way could you market this sport? She needs to be lining up with a hundred meter dash next spring either that or just like be there right like do like a an honorary like performance or something just make light of the situation and bring some kind of attention to the trials for sure yeah i think this is kind of a genius idea i mean why is there not a celebrity 100 meter dash before or during the trials i mean think about nba all-star game stuff you have the celeb game people love that the mlb has it you have a celebrity 100-meter dash. I mean, you would get all sorts of people. Brittany, of course, would be there, and she'd probably win with a 5.97 time. Um, that but that, that would also, be fire. I mean, the USATF needs to start paying us right now. Like, that was the best idea I have ever heard. Like, yes, we absolutely need to do this. Like, in the middle of the trials, you know, whatever, maybe do it on the last day or the second to last day. Whatever day you want to spark a little extra excitement and do a celebrity 100-meter dash. Genius. That is, it is genius. genius. You could do a whole freaking reality show, Biggest Loser Style or something, where you just watch it, like these celebrities training for it. Everybody would tune in, and then you'd have to watch some other events, and then maybe you decide you like track. But that is – I mean that's, that's the and answer. The hun- the 100 is the perfect event for it, right? Because, like, you can't ask these these celebrities to train for, like, a 5K or something like that. Like, that would not be that entertaining. But just, like, even if you're, like, fat and out of shape or slow, it's still, like, entertaining to watch you run 100 meters. Like, that's perfect. This is a phenomenal idea. Great Needs idea. Needs to happen. Needs you to get, happen. You get, get Britney out there. You get Rich Eisen in his full suit. You get, like, <laughs> just that. Like, I mean, that would be, it'd be great. Yeah, like Charles Barkley in there. <laughs> oh man, great! Needs to happen. All right, gentlemen. Moving on to one of my favorite news, running news stories of all time. So GQ just came down with their latest interview of Ilyud Kipchoge 
And the pictures on Instagram from his GQ interview and magazine release are absolute fire. Again, if you haven't seen these, get to Instagram right now, press pause, and go check out this specifically his suit, his like tan suit where he's like on a dirt road wearing a suit, pants, shorts, and these like high calf Nike socks. Just an absolute unbelievable picture. He's got the sweet shades. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. I don't know what to say. So we gotta give we gotta give credit to uh, loyal listener Jason Neely. So we posted this on our Instagram. He immediately sent a message, Drip Choge, which I think couldn't couldn't be a better <laughs> nickname for our guy Eliud. But yeah, I mean these pictures and and my first instinct looking at some of these outfits, it, especially the 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 suit with shorts and high Nike socks. My first instinct when I saw that was like. This this is ridiculous. What is he wearing? But the more I looked at it, I was like, this guy is pulling this look off. Like yeah. he looks good. Like that's a like it, there's not many people in the world that could pull that off, but he is pulling it off. So not to you know <laughs> put the put the cold water yeah. on here. Damn it, Trent. First off. Love, love this whole story. Love the idea of it. Love taking a guy like Kipchoge that a lot of runners at GQ don't know and showcasing him in this high fashion, you know, high class kind of way. Absolutely love it. And love the the shorts with the suit coat look. However, if you go through the story, there there are some hits in here. Uh, one of my favorites is is him kind of leaning back with these like tan leather looking pants on and, and teal shirt with some shades. Yep. There are also some big, big misses. There's one with him in the, the white, you know, a little bit off white suit, brown belt, and just white Nike, you know, sneakers on. I mean, someone, some of his Nike agent was working a little too hard to make him wear it a little too much Nike. Uh, there's another one with him with like a robe on over a oh, Nike that, outfit. That look is fantastic. Don't you dare oh, criticize that. Very no, that, cool. That, very he looked cool. like he looked like king of Kenya in that in that outfit. That was awesome. I I love the the hot pink suit yes. jacket. I guess that, with that, the all black kind of yoga looking pants on. That one's fire, but. I don't know. They're they're not all hits. I just don't, you know. I want to be fair to Kipchoge. They're not all hits. I I am going to officially deem Eliud Kipchoge a fashion icon after this. I mean, those those looks, like I said, because here's the thing. You need to look good. You need to be pulling it off. But you need to have a very unique style to be a fashion icon. And he's he has a unique style. Let me tell you that. I'm, so I'm my, telling you right now, like this, like he. There's one where he's wearing like this faded pink and yellow and green kind of like almost like tie-dye looking colored suit with an orange shirt underneath that might be the coolest look i have ever seen in my entire life this is this is the one i'm talking about right here oh yeah no that one that one is just insane the only thing i don't like about it is the picture above it they make there he's wearing that and they make him do the stupid face where he's like touching oh, his face. I, face. i'm not a big fan of that but the one below it where he's just like wearing the suit sitting down fire so is is kipchoge a fashion guy or was this just for the now fashion? like are we gonna start seeing him rolling up 
to track me or to marathons, um, just absolutely swagged out with like Gucci shoes and, you know, badass freaking suit shorts on, you know, NBA players, the big, they make the whole big deal about them coming into the stadium and them looking just fly AF. Is that Kachobi now? Because if it is, if, if it's Drip Chogi when he goes into to you know show up at race day before stripping down into his singlet, I mean I'm all in on that. So I I will make this promise to you, Mike, and all the P2E listeners. If and when I set the world record in the marathon, I will show up to every race after that in the most ridiculous outfit I can possibly find. Are you sure you want to do that, Steve? Are you sure yeah, you no, want to make I, that claim yeah, live on the podcast? Yep. It's a yep, bold I claim. Promise, I promise to all the listeners, everybody that's listening to me talk right now, I I will make that promise to you right now. I don't know. You you might you might learn to uh, eat those words someday, Steve. I don't know. <laughs> there is there is a fine line between looking like you know a doofus, you know Cam Newton when he wears the dumb fedoras at press conferences. Just can, looks can I dumb. just give you, can I just pause real quick, Trump, before you finish what you're gonna say. I don't know if anybody should be commenting on people dressing like a doofus <laughs> like you, Trent. Okay, I don't know if you are the right person to be making this point, but with that said, you can go ahead and finish what you were going to say. I am a fashion icon, Michael. <laughs> My point is there's a fine line between wearing something absurd for the sake of absurdity and wearing something absurd that, that kind of looks like fire. And I think in some of these pictures, Kipchoge has it, so I hope – he continues that trend. I don't want him to go, you know, all Cam Newton on us, but I do want him to wear, you know, some of the fire outfits he has on here. I think there's a there's a there's a significant difference between Cam Newton and what Kipchoge did. Cam Newton's whole approach is he wants to wear the most outrageous things to make you like to for shock value, right? These pictures, Kipchoge is just going into closet and pulling out things that he genuinely thinks looks good without without caring about other people's opinions so i think there's a significant difference there okay i agree i agree keep it that way chip jogi and in a world with no sports that is all the news we got we got britney spears breaking the world's record in the hundred we got kip choge being a fashion icon who would have thought that this is what we'd be talking about but i promise in... you you won't hear a better breakdown of those two stories than here on peak too early very true. Very true. So on that, Mike, why don't we get into our interview with four-time national champ and one of the brightest rising stars in the sport, Jess Hall. All right, so we are here with four-time NCAA national champion. She's one of the rising stars in the sport from Australia. Jessica Hull, welcome to Peak Too Early. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. So we were just talking a little bit um, about where you're at. So you're calling us from Australia. It's in the future. It's a, it's a day ahead of us right now. <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're living in some crazy times right now. The world is a, it's kind of a, a little bit of a scary place and you know, COVID-19 is running rampant through the United States right now. What's it like in Australia? Is it similar to the United States or what's the situation like over there right now? Yeah, I think um, it's pretty similar. I don't think there's too much difference, especially from what I've heard from my teammates based on what it's like in Oregon right now. Um, we as a nation decided to close our borders to foreigners um, about two weeks ago. So basically anyone coming in right now is Australian. 
Um, and once you're here, they don't really want you to leave. Like they're kind of, there's a big travel ban in place. Um, but yeah, right now our states are kind of non-essential services are, are stopped and um, essential services are going to an extent. Um, there's been a bit of confusion over what's essential and what's not essential because <laughs> we still have um, hairdressers operating, but people <laughs> would argue that <laughs> that's not essential. Um, but as of right now, that's still okay. Uh, but I think by the end of the weekend, we'll see a statewide, at least um, my state and Victoria below us, um, I think we'll be in complete lockdown. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the weekend brings. <laughs> so what do you think? Are hairdressers essential or non-essential? <laughs> well, so initially they announced, um, so two days ago, our prime minister addressed us and the address was, if you can, hairdressers had to keep their services to under 30 minutes. And um, like, I mean, there's not many females that if you go to a hairdresser can get in and out within 30 minutes. Um, so the <laughs> next morning it was, re it was just lifted entirely and it was like, okay, hairdressers stay open as long as there's not more than uh, one person per four square meters is kind of the rule. So <laughs> their 30 minute ban was lifted and they were allowed to continue as normal. Um, as until today uh, and then we'll see kind of what the next restriction is to hairdressers but um, I mean I don't really think it's essential <laughs> especially if we're all going to be in lockdown um, not too sure that that's an essential service but uh, our grocery stores and our pharmacies are operating like normal which has been pretty relieving to a lot of people so stops the panic buying. <laughs> it, it is pretty funny what you know different countries consider essential or not because you know they're closing all kinds yeah. of different stuff down here but liquor stores are apparently considered essential like they're like oh people yeah. are in quarantine we got to make sure that they still got their booze going so i don't know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's weird they've it's weird what you consider essential. <laughs> <laughs> they've kept them open here too but they did bring in a restriction yesterday to say that you could only buy three bottles of wine or a case of beer at once so oh <laughs> they've restricted the quantity you can buy, but the liquor stores are still open here as well. <laughs> are they afraid that they're going to start running out or something like that? Or are we get a? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, maybe they're trying to look out for the health of people that are quarantining. They're trying to make sure they're not over consuming, but <laughs> I'm not too sure what that rule is about. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to you know, not focus too much on all the bad stuff going on. So we're going to hit that all right after, you know, right at the top of the interview. And then after that, we'll kind of get to some more fun stuff. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that, you know, the Olympics just got postponed, which yeah. is a, a crazy thing. Can you kind of talk about, um, you know, first of all, where your mindset is on that? And also, I know you kind of had already punched your ticket for the Olympics we were kind of talking about before, we're not exactly sure how the Australian team, you know, picks their uh, athletes and stuff like that. So could you kind of break that down for us as well? Yeah, so actually just right before I'm on the phone to you guys, our um, Australian Olympic Committee and our chef missions just held a telechat for us to kind of tune in and he answered a lot of our questions. Um, and basically, if you have qualified at the moment, um, you're still qualified is what he was kind of saying. So I'm hoping that means the 5K ticket is still punched. Um, but at the same time, I'm not entirely sure because our entire team hadn't been finalized. And he was kind of kept referencing that if your team was finalized, you were still on the team. So I'm not sure what that will mean. I'm sure it will get clarified in the next week or so. 
but yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty devastating that it was had to be postponed. But at the same time, um, I'm glad it's not cancelled. <laughs> that was, yeah. I was pretty scared of that for a while there. I was like, wow, it, it could really be taken away from all of us um, with not much that we can do about it at all. But the fact that it's postponed, um, you got to have perspective around it. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not the most ideal situation this summer because it's the goal we're all working towards and it's been the motivating force for a lot of people and for a long time now. But um, it's kind of as a young athlete and in my first year out of college, um, and I think uh, there's quite a few of us in this position where another year of preparation and getting stronger and keeping on the consistent layers, maybe we'll be a little more prepared when we get the opportunity next summer. But at the same time, it's kind of, yeah, it's a bit of a stab not to have it this year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can imagine. I mean, you're doing... I mean, years worth of work to, to prepare for this moment. Um, you left school a year early, correct? Yeah, yeah. I actually, it's crazy because I only had an outdoor season left. Okay. And like the last few, the last month, I guess, kind of as the NCA has had um, indoor NCAs canceled and then their entire outdoor season canceled, it was like, wow, if I had stayed in school and came back for that one outdoor season, I wouldn't have even had it. It's like... Yeah really crazy what like timing of everything does and yeah it makes you you kind of just got to roll with things when they're ready to happen because I'm like wow I could have gone back to school and entirely sat a year out basically which is um really crazy but I feel for those guys I feel for all the kids that missed out on competing at indoor nationals and the chance for a national title or that big PR that they were on the verge of but it doesn't go away they'll get the opportunity when it comes when it comes later in the summer or next year, if we have to wait that long, but yeah, it's pretty crazy how lifetimes things out. Mm-hmm. Jessica, what's your, what's your move now? Now we have the news. Um, how do you kind of restart your training and is like, what is on your calendar for, for goals that you, you know, want to get, um, is there anything that you even know like to train for? Yeah, it's hard right now because we don't know when things are going to start up again. Um, but I guess, I took my downtime, um, just, uh, I started my downtime early March. I took two weeks off, um, before all of this is happening because, uh, we just, we're looking at periodization towards the Olympics and realized, well, we need to take a step back right now. And then kind of during that period where I was taking my downtime, all of this started to happen. And now it's like, I'm starting to just build the base again, um, build the base miles, uh, get some pretty basic standard workout scene and I guess hopefully in the next month or so we'll have some clarity over maybe where we might get some ideas about when we might start competing again but right now um Pete kind of said to all of us is we should plan to compete in some capacity this summer so just kind of keeping my head down and keeping that in the back of my mind of like there is going to be a race at some point and I'd like to be as ready as I can be when that happens but if not in the meantime we might have to get kind of creative I've seen um Genevieve Lacaz, one of our Aussies, we're Genevieve Gregson now. Um, no racing on the track right now. So she went down and she time trialed around a famous loop in Melbourne. That's a distance runner's kind of um, paradise. It's just a trail around the botanical gardens. It's a totally off distance, like 3.8 something Ks. And she broke the female record around that loop just to give her something to do. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of inspiring maybe we need to find something um creative just to work towards that we can go and do with one person with a stopwatch and just yeah it keeps the keeps the goals ticking and drives towards training 
Yeah, so kind of to shift gears here a little bit, your uh, your group under Coach Julian is, you know, obviously crazy, highly competitive, and just a really talented group. But, you know, you also kind of got your cast of characters there as well. You know, obviously <laughs> we, uh, we've we had uh, Craig on in the past, and, you know, he's a bit of an interesting guy. So can you talk a little bit about, like, what it's like training around that crew and, you know, what the atmosphere of practice is like? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a great group of people. We have a lot of good personalities that match each other and balance each other out really well. Um, this past winter, we were up in Phoenix, uh, just training as our group, uh, just to stay in the warm weather outside of the Portland rain. And um, every time we kind of got together as a group, we like celebrated Coco's birthday while we were there. It was just kind of like, wow, this is a really great group of people that we're surrounded by every day and um we laugh a lot and we have a lot of fun um but yeah you have the balance of craig and then um donovan he keeps it very interesting always got we joke there's donovan's drama he's not dramatic <laughs> but it's, <laughs> he's a very low-key person and um yeah it works really hard that we joke that uh donovan's got his drama and then uh coco obviously is just incredible with her work ethic and then we have Shannon who came in for uh, two stints while we were up in Phoenix because she can't come all the time with her daughter now. So we kind of got a bit of a team mom who has lots of experience and she can talk about anything that she's been through and pass that on to us all. But yeah, it's great. And then we've got uh, Paul, our Kenyan, just like bionic man. He can do, <laughs> he can just run, <laughs> runs and runs and runs at a pretty pretty hot pace all the time and yeah it's good we've got uh, Eric as a former duck so that's kind of nice too um can jump in behind them sometimes in our workouts when they're doing tempo stuff and the girls are doing fast stuff we can um jump in behind them and I actually texted our we were both coached by uh the pals when we were ducks Andy and Marisa Andy coached Eric and Marisa coached myself and um I sent Marisa a video of Eric kind of leading a faster rep for me when he was doing something that matched up with me on the track. And I said, oh, both of us have been influenced by you guys. And with like, here we are still enjoying the sport down the track. So it's pretty cool when you start to think about the people that are connected along the way and the group that you get to be around every day. So speaking of, of being a former duck, I want to bring you back to 2018 National Championship Outdoor 1500 Meters. You're lining up against, you know, uh, you know Ellie Purrier. Uh, you got Nikki yeah. Hiltz in that. And so Ellie takes it out hard. You got Nikki tracking you down. And going into the last turn, you open up a big kick. You take it for the win. It looked like you were smiling. It was easy coming across the finish line. But that was the last NCAA championship held at Hayward Field. And you had the, the Oregon O on your chest kind of coming across the finish line. What was that like? And what did that moment mean to you? Yeah, that was super special. I think that's, um, you know, when you just put one of those perfect races together, I think that's possibly the only time I've ever done that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it was made by the fact that it was at Oregon and at Haywood and um, you had your, like, home track, home fans, family, all your teammates that um, hadn't quite made the meet this year still had the opportunity to be there supporting you was so exciting. And I think being able to share it with so many people made it even more special because even when um like there's been other times when we've been on the road and you have just a few people around you it's it's not a special like it's the special part about it is sharing it with the people that did it like got you there every day at work hard with you in training so I think um that was what made that moment so special but 
yeah, that final 100 meters at Hayward Field was just so loud. That's all I remember is it was just crazy loud. And yeah, it was a really good energy, that's for sure. Is there is there any track like Hayward Field? I mean, you kind of think the NBA has Madison Square Garden, the MLB has Fenway and Wrigley, and, and track kind of has Hayward Field. Is there anything else that's like Hayward Field? No, I don't think so. I think that was my initial... Um, I competed at World Juniors there in 2014, and at the time, I think I thought it was just uh, American track fans were just on a whole nother level. Um, but then after going to school there and kind of getting to compete across the U.S. entirely, American track fans are like fanatical, but Haywood itself was just like that special place that had um, something that hasn't quite been replicated anywhere yet. And I hope the new stadium brings about that same feel. I'm sure it will. Oh. That's for sure. Oh. Hopefully. I mean, that's one of the things we're yeah. trying to do with this podcast is we want to capture energy like at Hayward, just kind of the crazy fanatical track fans that are having fun with the sport. And that's kind of one of the, the attitudes we want to promote. Yeah. And that's awesome because at the end of the day, like you can train all you want, but we train to race and racing for us is the fun part. So when the fans are there and they, they want to enjoy it as much as we do it, it just makes that moment extra special. In addition to the field, I think another reason people go to Oregon is uh, is the colors and the uniforms. Now, <laughs> did did a main like influence for you the fact that Oregon had the same colors as Australia? No, I didn't even think about it in making my decision. But now, um, my dad actually pointed out to me. So the club I represent in Australia wears green and gold, green and yellow. Um, then our Australian team colors are green and gold, and then like the championship yellow of the ducks is like unmatched it stands out so much but um it's kind of just a crazy coincidence yeah <laughs> how many how many different uniforms did you think you wore at oregon oh gosh oh <laughs> so going back since like freshman year um i would say at least six or seven were in over my time at least yeah yeah. Yeah, because people people get excited like the football fans in America know and Oregon's known for these flashy football uniforms and they switch it up seemingly every game. But when you you do a Google search of you know yourself or other Oregon track athletes, it looks like every picture there's a different Oregon jersey as well, and, and yeah. some of them are, are so sweet. Yeah, I think my favorite was the green one with the duck, the puddles cartoon on the front. I oh, think yeah. that's my favorite. Yeah, and then obviously the championship yellow that brings a whole new level of readiness. That the duck's my favorite. The white right, one's I'm... sleek too. That's a nice little change up. You throw in the, the, the white and gray one, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The sprinters always like the white. They like the white on white as well, which is a bit bit much for distance, but uh <laughs> yeah. fast. <laughs> so I'm gonna put you on the spot here, Jessica. If you could only have one singlet for the rest of your life, which singlet would you wear forever? A ducks uniform, a Nike uniform, or an Aussie uniform? You know, I think I could go duck here because wow, it's, the Aussie, it. it's the Aussie colors. It has a Nike swoosh on it. And That's... like, yeah, it kind of combines all of it. <laughs> I thought I, I, thought <laughs> I had got you on a technicality, Mike. Yeah, yeah. You, just, you, you got me on that one. Damn. <laughs> okay, my other, my other silly Oregon question okay. is then, um, do, do Oregon runners have as many Prefontaine posters as non-Oregon runners <laughs> or more or less? <laughs> Um, I would say, at least amongst the distance team, there is probably a Steve Prefontaine poster in all of our houses. Um, 
maybe multiple, depending on whether they're in your own room as well. But I would say amongst the distance team within each distance house, because distance runners usually do play with distance runners, um, there would have been at least one poster, yeah. <laughs> That's probably about average then for most you know, yeah. distance teams throughout the entire U.S. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so what is, I was kind of, you know, doing my research beforehand and going through your, your, you know, your social media and, you know, doing the Google searches. And it's incredible because it's like all the content out there for you is so running business oriented. It's like that is what Jessica Hall is all about. What do the fans of Pete really need to know about Jessica Hall that has nothing to do with running? Like what, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, so I'm Australian. Um, <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> they, they can tell from your accent. <laughs> I grew up in Albion Park, which is a little, it's got 90 minutes south of um, Sydney. So main point of contact to the US is via Sydney. Um, but yeah, no, apart from running, I have, I have one younger brother um, who is good at all sports that don't involve running, basically. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were very competitive. Um, I think what he has taught me the most is I should stick to running. Uh, backyard cricket and backyard games like that didn't never went in my favor. Um, <laughs> but I will say he was very good at making the rules up as he went and changing them to suit himself. <laughs> <laughs> Younger yeah, siblings no, have a tendency to do that. They do, they do. <laughs> Mike's but, my younger um, brother. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So you're, fr- you're familiar, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm very familiar. <laughs> no. very familiar. Um, but yeah, aside from running, I'm pretty lucky. I don't, um, I like cooking. I like doing just uh, pretty general, like, especially hanging out with my family because I don't get to do that as often as um, I used to when I was growing up here. But yeah, I think um, aside from that, I, and I guess uh a lot of the people that I spend my time with, I've met through the running world. But um, we also, like my teammates at Oregon, like we were very good at being able to switch off running and go to brunch and have the normal girly conversations and kind of things like that. So I think, yeah, just enjoying spending time with um, good people and making good food and catching up with the people I love outside of track is basically what I'm about. <laughs> love it. I'm gonna- <laughs> I'm going to steal Mike's Nothing question Nothing too interesting here. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of Mike's favorite, though, and, and I think uh, we're going to get a good answer out of this. So, God forbid running is just canceled forever tomorrow. You have to do a <laughs> career change starting, you know, next week. What what, what job are you going to do next week? Well, anyway, do, I it, think... do it post-pandemic. Let's let's say the world is back to normal. What, what job? So the you can be world... like a hairdresser and do full haircuts. <laughs> oh, I don't think you want me to do that. <laughs> um... <laughs> If the running is cancelled and I had to do anything else, I think, so in high school, I always wanted to be a PE teacher, like a physical education teacher. Um, But when I came to the US, I figured I couldn't do that because the education degree would be meaningless coming back trying to teach kids in Australia. Um, So maybe something down that path, maybe, although I don't necessarily think I have a lot of authority. So I, I think high school kids might take a bit of advantage of that. Um, and then, or I think I could probably go back and put my university degree to good use and maybe go to PT school. And that was the original plan a long time ago, but so now it's on hold and I don't know if it'll ever be revisited, but yeah, if running was canceled, that would probably be my path is 
PA teaching or physiotherapy. I feel like Australia is throwing shots at the U.S. that, you know, the, the education degree over here is not good enough to teach the Australian kids. I don't know how I feel about that. Or maybe it's too good and maybe maybe it's too advanced. <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I just know it wasn't compatible to bring back. So. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully running is not canceled and we can get back to sports of all kinds in the near future. But thank you so much for coming on. It's been a ton of fun talking with you. But Jessica, we end every single interview with a quick game. So Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right, down the home stretch. We're going to rapid fire questions at you. You've got to and... say that like um, the Haywood announcer, down the home stretch for the yeah, final that's right. time. <laughs> I don't think I can. Yeah, I don't think I can uh, even try and emulate that. But <laughs> So we're going to rapid-fire questions at you over a specific topic. Your topic, you know, at the, the time we're in, it's going to be quarantine. So you got spare time on your hands. What are you doing with your spare time? Trent is going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right, Jessica. Do you own your own Netflix account, or are you bumming it off somebody else? <laughs> I'm still on my parents' Netflix account that is connected to an email address from years ago, but we can log into Netflix from it. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched Tiger King yet? If not, what are you binge watching? I haven't watched Tiger King yet, but I've seen um, Emma Coben posted something about it this morning, and I was like, okay, maybe that one is one to add to the list. <laughs> yeah. That was literally my next question. So <laughs> I got I to gotta, <laughs> scramble here. What is your uh, – I've started doing, like, puzzles and crosswords. What is your newfound hobby? My newfound hobby is actually <laughs> keeping up with my email inbox <laughs> and oh going God, trying to clear terrible. that all out. I know, but it's actually kind of crazy once you get into it. You kind of just keep going. <laughs> what? How many emails did you have? How many unread emails did you have in your inbox before starting to clean it out? Um. Okay, well, on my phone, I think I had... So I always see the important ones because they come through into like they separate themselves for some reason. But I think I had over a thousand that were just like um, online shopping kind of things. Like we have this sale today, like this sale today that I I purposely don't open because if I open them, yeah, (laughs) I fall for the deal. All right. During this, uh, this quarantine shutdown, whatever you want to call it. Are you? Uh, do you have any roommates, or are you currently living with somebody? This is two part question, by the way. Yeah. So because I came back to Australia, I'm actually in like a a full on quarantine. Like I can't leave my house for 14 days because I have to isolate coming in from overseas. Um, so that meant that whoever is around me also has to isolate. So my mom is working from home because she picked me up from the airport. So I'm isolating right now with my mom, my boyfriend, and my dog. We're the only people that are in our household because my brother still has to go to work. So he moved out because he was like, I can't quarantine. Um, His office hasn't shut down yet. And my dad is also still trying to work until um, we go into lockdown. So he's also staying somewhere else so that they weren't forced to lock down with me. Um, so yeah, my mom, my boyfriend, and our puppy, who is very happy to have company all day. <laughs> <laughs> Second part of that question, are you driving them more crazy or are they driving you more crazy? 
<laughs> oh, I think so. It's day five. <laughs> I think we're doing pretty good right now, but um, I'm not sure if we ask that question again in like four or five days after nearly ten days of treadmill miles. I would probably <laughs> imagine I'm starting to drive them more crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. What uh, what day of quarantine do you think you'll start doing uh, TikTok dance videos? <laughs> well, <laughs> so. I will admit when we've been watching, when I'm on the treadmill and I just have like the um, Channel Bing music hits on and um, Justin Bieber's Yummy has come on so many times. <laughs> and it's looking, it's starting to look a little bit easier every time. <laughs> so we might not be too far away from TikTok. <laughs> okay. All right. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, when you're talking about your email, you might have maybe an, an online shopping, you know, affinity. So what's the weirdest thing you've yeah. bought online? Oh, weirdest thing I've bought online. Um, I'm not too sure. Usually I'm pretty good at buying stuff that's practical. I just maybe buy too much of it. <laughs> um, weirdest thing. Hold on. Let me see what I've purchased recently and that will probably um, – usually free Amazon. So that will come up with my recent orders. If you, if you just think, buy too um, much, then maybe you're doing it right. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? We're stocking up. So you're ahead of the right. curve here. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, um, okay. So recently I didn't have a coffee machine in my new apartment. And this is the, before I came back to Australia, it was the longest I'd stayed in a, in my Portland apartment for. So I purchased a Ninja 12 cup programmable coffee machine Ooh. that, I'm keep in mind I live by myself and I drink like I do drink a lot of coffee but not 12 cups a day and I don't <laughs> really need to buy a programmable coffee machine but I was kind of really excited to wake up and have it already made for me so not necessarily weirdest purchase but probably extremely unnecessary <laughs> <laughs> I like it all right this is the last question did you fall victim to the c10 give 10 push-up challenge so not yet, no. I have been nom- I have been nominated, but I haven't <laughs> adhered to it, and I haven't given ten yet. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to feed into the masses. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, uh, Jessica. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. You're uh you're part of the Australian contingent. We've had you, Ollie Hoare, Morgan McDonald. So we're big Aussie fans, and uh, we're wishing you the best of luck this year. And we're gonna be cheering for you in, in 2021. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'm glad you've enjoyed our company. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> talk to you soon, guys. Take Appreciate care. it, Thanks Jessica. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. And that interview with Jessica Hull was brought to you by 27 Video Productions. Whether you're married to the game of running or getting married to another runner, let 27 Video take care of all your video needs. We can show in 4K the beads of sweat on your calves in a road race or your gorgeous wedding. Choose 27 Video. We love weddings and we love running too. Said it a million times, guys. We love 27 Videos. They are our video production team. We have them for all our video needs. We have a video from 27 Video coming out probably next week, so stay tuned for that. So guys, we are going to in the in the in the absence of of current day sports, we are going to dive back into another one of P2E classics. And so what we're going to talk about today, and you can 
pause this video and go and watch it right now. So we watched we watched the 1972 800 meter finals in the Olympics, and this is Dave Waddle's gold medal performance. So guys. What did you think of this race? You know, I, I feel kind of like bringing these races to you guys. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, Riley Masters was talking about when he had him on is, you know, part of the beauty of what we're doing here is we're talking about running. But, you know, we don't know a ton about the sport. We're kind of looking at it from a general sports fan, general sports fans perspective on this sport. But me, kind of the, you know, the the older member of this team, somebody who probably knows a little bit more about the history of sport. I feel kind of the his, like the historian that's bringing these awesome races to you guys. Yeah. I mean, I certainly haven't seen any of these races and like, I, I knew the, the, the name Dave Waddle, but I'll be honest with you, Trent, you had mentioned, I think everybody has seen it. Like I, I had no idea that this race happened or why I knew Dave Waddle's name. I just kind of knew him as kind of like a legendary, you know, American track star type of thing. See that's that's shocking to me because I am I am not a track historian I mean I am on the far opposite end of that but I was shown Waddle before I even you know started running track you know I think it was just uh, something probably my dad showed me or, or some you know some crazy YouTube video that was going around that that I stumbled on when I was exploring the internet as a young child and uh, it's it's unforgettable I mean the we're gonna get into all sorts of this video but. The, the athletic performance, you know, is one thing. And then you have the style and all the things that go with it. I mean, this is, to me, this is the most memorable, you know, U.S. track race or, or the most memorable track performance by a U.S. athlete of all time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think that this is just, uh, you know, when when every coach kind of tells you to kind of stay within yourself and you run your race and focus on your race, run it to the best of your ability. This is the clip that every single coach should show their athletes. So, you know, the gun, they're lining up before the gun goes off. And probably the best part of this entire video is the baseball cap that Dave Waddle's yeah. wearing. It's just an old kind of sweat stained baseball cap. I mean, one thing that you would absolutely under no circumstances ever see in Olympic finals today in 2020. We, we could spend I, 20 minutes on the cap. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's kind of funny. We watched uh, the 82 Boston Marathon last year, and Dave Beardsley had like a similar kind of hat going. I think kind of like we've talked about, um, you know, in basketball, how the short shorts are making a comeback. I think somebody in the you know american distance running scene needs to bring back the like flat brim like goofy white baseball cap again because that was the style in the 70s and the 80s we need to bring that back because it is fire this cap more than the beardsley one though you know just is not designed for running whatsoever i mean it's known <laughs> no. as the golf cap i've never seen a golf wear that i don't know where the hell he gets this at i mean the thing looks like it weighs uh, at least you know a pound on his head this this thick cotton that probably you know steve said just sweat drenched just dragging him back i mean it's so unaerodynamic. i mean you could say like some runners are wearing more caps now they're all these fancy nike or, or whatever brand super lightweight you know just meant for efficiency this thing was the opposite of that it's amazing and then on top of that he has some flow underneath it i mean the guy's got some lettuce on his head i don't get how the cap stays on his head it's it's not aerodynamic and he has all these like curls coming out the side it's it's a feat of you know just just amazing engineering that hat stayed on his head while he's surging and, down the home stretch 
and you're totally right. Like it doesn't sit like tightly on his head. It kind of no. like it's sitting at like the top of his head, and like yeah, it kind of like looks like it could pop off at any time. You're totally right. Awesome, just an awesome signature. You're you're 100 right. Somebody should bring bring that style back. But to be honest, I don't know if they let you. Like I think if it's not like if it's not an approved uniform apparel piece, I don't think you're allowed to wear it. But somebody should just do it. So I was I was reading a quick little article about it. That was a, a controversy back then as well. I mean, there were people on the, really? the USATF uh, team there, you know, the organizers and such, that were against him wearing it. And he just said, no, nah, this is this is my good luck hat. I mean, I wear this hat, I run fast. And so he kept his hat on. <laughs> just another it. reason to love Dave Waddle. I love it. So, I mean, I, I forgot to set the stage a little bit, but Dave Waddle at the time was kind of, he kind of came out of nowhere. He came out of nowhere at the trials. It seemed like he just kind of snuck into the finals, and it was almost like he didn't belong at the starting line there next to some of these athletes. But the gun goes off, the pack moves out, and instantly the entire field opens up a 10-meter gap on Dave Waddle. He just kind of sits back. The entire pack goes, and there was this huge gap between him and the race pack. The announcer literally said... I'm not sure if he's injured or not. You know, I don't know if he's waiting to do his move. He might be injured. That's how far back he was. So I, and, you know, the announcer's making good points. Like, I think, like, you know, he's trying to stay out of trouble. In an 800-meter race, like, that is important because it does get, you know, a little aggressive and the, the pack gets tight really quickly and there's tripping hazards and you can get boxed in real easy. So I totally get that. I don't know if it was necessary to be that far back, right? Like, I get running your own race, and I get staying out of trouble. But he was so far back that it was just like, this is ridiculous. And I know it sounds ridiculous me saying this because, obviously, he came back and won the race. But I'm just sitting there watching this, like, you might be taking this a little bit too far. It was almost like he was trying to prove the point, like, hey, listen, this is how I run, and I'm going to win it still doing it the way I want to do it. And it was almost like he was like, you know, it was like a, a, a point of pride for him. I no, think that no. empowered that, that's him. That's not the point. That's not the point of it, Mike. His strategy, he knew any chance at gold that he needed to run his race. He knew that the runners in the first 400 meters were going to go out way too fast and it was going to kill their legs for the second 400. And so he said, I am going to run even splits. I'm going to run the exact split I know is going to give me a shot to run the time I need to win this race. So it was genius. He just fell right into the exact split that he needed to be. And as he's coming and, and like you said, Mike, you know, there's there's one thing doing that and there's another thing staying out of trouble. The favorite in the race from the Soviet Union Soviet Union, Arzano, kinda he, he was doing that. He fell to the back of the pack, the Kenyans, or as like they the announcer said the in the nineteen seventy the Kenyans. They, I mean, I wanted kinda, to get like into a whole discussion on that because that was just absurd. Well, maybe we get in there. But the Kenyans took it out hard, and Arzano went to the back of the pack. Waddle wasn't staying out of trouble. He was running the split he knew that he needed to run to give himself a chance. And, it and is, that I can live with. It's so admirable. I mean, how many times have you, um, on any of us, how many times have you gone into a race thinking, this is what I need to do to run my best race today? <laughs> and immediately within the first 200 meters, whether it's a, a mile race or whether it's a 10K, that gets thrown out because you just get caught up in what's going on around you. And sometimes you need to, right? Some races, the strategy is to uh, go out with this pack or stick to that guy. 
But a lot of times you just got to run, you know, your best time, your best day. And, and it's almost impossible to do, but Waddle at the biggest stage there possibly is executed on it perfectly. You just described every race I've ever run in my entire life. <laughs> 99% of the races I have ever run, I have gone into with a plan. And as soon as that gun goes off, I just throw those plans right out the window. It's freaking hard. Yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, so we kind of we're coming around the bend into the into the to the home stretch there, um, heading into the to the second 400 meters. Do you guys have any any takes on the on the first 400 there? My only take was I was like, you know, because I said I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, get in the race, you dummy, type of thing. I mean, obviously it didn't work out for me, but in the moment, that's what I was saying. I think I knew what was going to happen, but it still was shocking at how big that gap was. I mean, when you watch it, no matter how many times you watch it, it still is. You know, if, if, if you're a listener and you know you've seen the race, just go back and watch it again, and you'll be reminded how big that gap was. It's insanity. Yeah, so they come through. They come through the 400. They're heading into the turn, and the gap starts closing. And then you start realizing, like, oh shoot, like Waddle's got a chance at this. Like he's back in the race, and you start realizing what's happening. Um, and then they kind of, you know, they 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 go into the backstretch, coming into the to the final turn. Waddle's moving up, and the announcer starts saying, "Oh boy, Waddle's putting himself in position here. He's got a chance at this." Yeah, I mean, as bad as position as he was on the, you know, first half, I mean, he, with 200 meters to go in an 800, you literally could not have been in better position. He was on the outside, middle of the pack, and as like a kicker, you know what I mean? He just saw the whole race in front of him, and it was like, as long as you stay where you're at for the next 100 meters, you knew at that point that this guy was in the exact right position for the home stretch and just to finish it up. At that point, it was like, it doesn't matter how big that gap was, this guy is going to win. You had to know because he was in perfect position. But at the same time, with 50 meters to go, 30 meters to go, he still had room. You know, he wasn't, he didn't close, you know, with 100 and then held on. Like, he he still looked pretty far back with 50 meters to go. At the same time, though, it also looked like he was on fast forward where everyone else just running at normal pace. And I mean, if you look at the splits, he was on fast forward. His last 400 was, you know, he had stayed even. Everyone else had slowed down. But coming down the home stretch there, there's still a gap. And and he's closing, but the gap is still real. And Trent, coming down that home stretch there and closing the gap, Arzano from the Soviet Union, The only, watching it this time around, the only thing I could think about was like we talked about last week is that Icarus and that, you know, you see a guy from the Soviet Union up front there. You got to start questioning, like, what what helped him get to that point? But they're coming down and it comes down to the to the to the, to the tape and Waddle just barely out leans Arzano for the gold medal. Just an unbelievable inspirational race. If you haven't watched this, you need to go watch it. This is like there's a lot. There's a lot to be learned from this race. And then, guys, as soon as he crosses the finish line, announcers going nuts saying, I can't, you know, I think he did it. I think he did it going nuts. You know, they can't believe what they just saw. And then maybe the single greatest line from any sports announcer of all time is hilarious. I think he did it. I think he did it. And even even though he just got married, people were telling him not to do it. It was going to ruin him, but he got married anyways. Un- 
unbelievable. I mean, it, what are you talking? <laughs> well, Mike, 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 Mike. We've talked about it before. In the in 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 the the words of the great philosopher Mick from Rocky, women weak in legs. And you know, I don't think that there has ever been a truer statement said on television that yeah, listen, Mike and I were married. I'm very happily married. I love my wife, but there's no doubt the second I put that ring on my finger, my running career was over and there was nothing I could do about it. But he the, he said that like it was like a you know a headline and something that was like talked about often going into the Olympics like <laughs> you know what I mean like I can just envision like the the front page of the sports page being like you know he's getting married and he it's going to ruin him. Like he said it like it was common knowledge and something that was talked about like why why was that like a, you know a headline story so so there was a real reason for it so uh bill bowerman was his coach or, or was coaching him through this and bowerman didn't want him to take his new wife to the olympics to and stay with him in the village in germany he wanted her to stay home and just waddle was gonna do it his way so he brought her along and i think that's where it came from was a little story about how the track coach didn't approve of him bringing his wife on, which makes me love Bowerman so much that that would be a rule that he would try to implement with his athlete and say, no, you know, she stays at home. I, I love that. I mean, that's just a sign of the times, right? I mean, like that's something that <laughs> 50 years later, a sports announcer and a coach could never, ever say to an athlete. But back in the 1972, they could say that. <laughs> and and more more on the announcing. I loved at the very end when they, they I don't even know what the announcer's name was, but they shot to him. And he has this just neon orange suit on. We talk about Drip Chogi over here, whoever this guy, I mean, absolute fire. And then he goes, on behalf of all those skinny guys in America, I'd like to congratulate Dave Waddle. It was just, just more fire out of this guy. Absolute gold. I don't know. That guy was so creepy. Just like the he way he's looking, the way he's saying, he's like, on behalf of all you skinny runners out there. I was like, this guy's kind of, <laughs> get get this guy off the camera right now. I'm I'm sick of this guy already. <laughs> oh, man. And, 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 you know, I think it's worth noting this was the, the 1972 Olympics, and that was the, you know, the, the, the terrible tragedy, the hostage situation, and something I just learned. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe it is, it, as long as this, you know, no sports situation continues, we're probably going to do another 1972 Olympics race, probably involving one Steve Prefontaine in the future. But, you know, having seen clips from the from the 1972 Olympics, I didn't realize that the decimal place in the clock, which looks like the Star of David, was purposely done after the hostage situation, bombing situation. Yeah, buddy, Memorial. It's a pretty cool thing. And you mentioned it, Steve, you know, with the Steve Prefontaine thing. It's like there's so many historic uh, running track clips from that 1972 because of Steve Prefontaine and a lot of people see them. It's a cool thing that that like Memorial kind of has lived on in track infamy now because those clips are all over the place. And now with Waddles as well, like some of the most memorable uh, American track memories and highlights come from that Olympics. Yeah, but it is crazy how, you know, and I understand why. I mean, Steve Prefontaine was a was a icon of the sport and somebody that drove the sport forward in so many ways and he's just he's just a very important figure in the sport, but I mean, he didn't he didn't win a medal. 
and we have from the same Olympics, Dave Waddle winning the 800 meter gold medal. It's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's kind of Good one point. of those things that gets lost in, in the history of the sport. True. I think it goes on to say too, how improbable this was out of Waddle, because this is not a guy who had this illustrious, you know, decade long professional career where he crushed it and became the face of American distance running, you know, an all time great. I mean, he is an all time great, of course, but he's not, you know, remembered maybe as, as well as some of the others. Um, so, the fact that he, you know, came here, he beat, if you watched Icarus, you knew that guy, you know, the favorite was on drugs. Um, but the fact that he came in and he took care of business like that is just all the more remarkable. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that the the best compliment you can pay a runner is that they had their best race when it meant the most. And it's never going to mean more than uh, an Olympic finals. And to execute a strategy and a plan the way he did and to come away with the, the win is is incredible. So guys, we're 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 putting out content, man. Like this is we're we're making we're making uh, lemonade out of lemons. We're making the best of a of a tough situation here in the sport right now, and I'm I'm really proud of what we're doing. So I think that some of the our last two episodes, some of the stuff we're putting out with no sports, no track, has been really enjoyable and really entertaining. And we're gonna continue to do it. We. You know, we, we put together that that P2E pump up mix on Spotify. So we got that out and Mike start his has just started pumping out P2E stories. So those are going to keep coming. Right, Mike? Oh, yeah, we're, we're far from done. Uh, I'm going to be pumping those things out, you know, multiple times a week. We're going to be putting out bonus episodes and bonus content, you know, while the, while the rest of the world is sleeping and working from home and kind of taking a break from everything right now. The P2E boys, we're stepping up our game and we're going to get not just more content, out, but more content that is going to, you know, the idea right now is kind of to distract from everything that's going on in the world and to, you know, not be talking about, you know, of course, at the top of the show, we'll always, you know, make our jokes and kind of touch upon a little bit of Corona, but we're going to try and stay away from it as much as we can and just give like distracting kind of escape from the world right now. So that's, that's kind of what my goal is. I think people are going to love it. It's going to be very different. Uh, this stuff, I mean, it's going to be different. We also don't really know where this is going to take us. I mean, how, how long are we going to have without sports? Who knows? So <laughs> it, there could be some weird, weird stuff that comes out. Some maybe misses, some maybe hits, but uh, get prepared for some, some good, some good stuff. So on that boys, why don't we kick off the bell lap? Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? Yeah. So that uh, uh, was pretty much going to be my bell lap, but you know, I will uh, move along to a different topic here. Also distracting from everything that's going on right now. We're doing, uh, I did some cool things this past week. Uh, Steve, me and you and our, our family kind of got on on Zoom and had a little Zoom family reunion where we put on the uh, Super Bowl 51, the 28-3 against the, the Falcons, and we watched it with some good commentary. Now we're recording the, uh, the 2004 ALCS uh, where Big Poppy goes deeps and, uh, you know, sends the Red Sox to that first world championship in 86 years. We're doing some cool stuff. So it's like just outside of the running stuff. There's there's things you can do here to kind of distract yourself. Obviously, peak too early is going to be one of them. But, you know, I mean, me and my uh, my boys, while we were working today, we were going back and forth commenting on some uh, Russian table tennis that we are now following. Because before we were following the RPL, the Russian Premier League Soccer that has been uh, canceled. So now we are big fans of uh, 
the Russian Table Tennis League. We got my boy, uh, we call him the Trash Man. I forget what his actual name is, but we're big <laughs> fans of the Trash Man. So, so you can get on that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is find what works for you that can distract you and kind of keep life a little bit normal and, and, and start working on that. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? I came to a wild realization um, really, really just today that I, uh, I don't think I have a mustache anymore. I mean, I have just let myself get so unruly that I think I just have a beard. I don't know what you guys think about that, but it's it's a kind of a weird thing to look in the mirror. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's uh the mustache is still long and all, but I am I am letting myself go. You know, <laughs> the hair is insane. The facial hair is insane. Uh, again, I'm I'm wearing like the shirt I went to bed in last night. You know, it's now <laughs> 9:30 at night the next night, and I am just still wearing that. So, um, just uh you know. This is now a time to try out, you know, new hairstyles, new facial styles and so forth. I also want to get, you know, serious for a second. Just just, you know, give a give a text to anyone, you know, that works in healthcare. Say thank you for all that everyone is doing. Um, it's pretty wild out there and, and everybody trying to do your part, whether that's just stay home or, you know, if you can think of a good organization to donate anything to, uh, please do uh, stay safe because it's it's crazy. So we like to cheer you up. But I also do want to give a big shout out to anyone that's. Uh, making a, a difference whether you're just being a really good quarantiner and listening to peak too early all day uh, or whether you're you know a nurse or a doctor or um, you know EMT whatever it is shout out to you guys yeah don't don't forget about small businesses restaurants running stores they need your help now more than ever so, so don't forget about them Mike Greyhound racing on TVG that's where I'm that's where I'm putting oh, my God. putting my sports energy right now that's uh oh, my grandfather shout out Artie gender used to take me to the to the dog track when he was babysitting me it's in my blood this was this was this was you know ingrained into me at a very early age so that's kind of where i'm putting <laughs> my energy uh other than that boys i would run faster but i peaked too early mike hit me with the josie josie's on a vacation far away come on has solved all my problems so far so hello hello jessica hello hello hi how you doing i'm good thank you how are you oh we're doing great thank you so much for uh making some time to talk to us tonight or it's not night for you you're in australia right yeah no it's the middle of the day here today okay. um friday <laughs> nice nice yeah no worries uh, thanks for having me on 
Is it no is it problem. tomorrow or yesterday? Are you a day ahead of us or behind us? I am a day ahead of you guys. It's Friday okay. at noon for me. Happy weekend. Yeah, Thank what's you. Are things any better better in the future? Um, no, I think we're still, COVID-19 is still running pretty rapid today, so <laughs> sorry to break it to Damn you guys. <laughs> I, I had so much hope for tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, the day's gonna so come just... soon. Yeah.